This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. This podcast is sponsored by Magic Rock Brewing. Currently, you can get free delivery on all orders over £40 and 10% of all online orders by using our code of TakesThatChance10. Jackson's there, Billy Head, the goal, Chris Billy Huddersfield Town. The most famous goal of Chris Billy's life. Is this the moment for Lee Fowler? It is. Take your place in Division 2, Huddersfield Town. Champion Steve Simonson's boots now. He's missed. Steve Simonson clears the frame of the goal and collapses in a heap of tears. Huddersfield Town are promoted. Stephen Schindler has a chance to write his name in Huddersfield Town legend. And he takes that chance. Welcome to the Andy Takes That Chance podcast. Another double game week, another tumultuous pair of results. A mixture of thoughts has been running around our head quicker than a BBC broadcaster around Roundy Park on a crisp autumn Sunday morning. Joining me, Matt Shaw, on this week's podcast is a man who Weight Watchers are interested in signing as a spokesman on account of him shedding £10 every week. It's Dan Pozzaporit. A man who's gone from an agenda bender to an agenda mender. It's Richard Kosmala. And and finally, our guest this week, a man who is known to his colleagues as the Kirkstall Cram, the Farnley Farrer, the Rothwell Radcliffe and the Colton Co. Donning the spikes, it's BBC West Yorkshire sport head honcho, Jonathan Buchan. Good evening, everybody. Good evening. All right. Matt, what an intro. How come we live up Fantastic intro. <laughs> Johnny, take note, mate. Watch and learn. Hey, yeah, there's I, one I, thing I, I picked I'm up on your notes. weekend from Matt Glennon. It was, uh, it was Johnny and his run. <laughs> yeah, I'll make sure I don't get cramped this evening, anyway, chaps. I, I resisted the urge for Johnny on the spot jokes and all that. So <laughs> yeah, Matt, it, ha- it happened, mate. I've seen a video. It did happen, unless it were old footage. <laughs> yeah, I know. Has anybody timestamped it? That's the thing. Yeah, no, no, no. Timestamp these things Jog, and prove it. Jogged ten yards, and then after that, it was all a walk. <laughs> all a walk. The rest of the one k was a walk. Sounds like Nabisaro Diakabi in his uh, <laughs> his peak. <laughs> Right, lads, so let's uh, get in. We've got two games to get through this week. We've got Middlesbrough and Cardiff. So a good place to start will be Middlesbrough, a happier place we will start. 
Um, we're joined this week by Johnny, who uh, has seen both games uh, this week. You can hear his ramblings on um, BBC, well, not ramblings, musings, if you like, on BBC Radio Leeds. Sorry, Johnny. Uh, Middlesbrough. So for this, I thought it was a poor first 30 minutes. Um, Middlesbrough got off to a good start, scored through Marvin Johnson on the uh, the left flank. Uh, and then an incredible miss by uh, Britta Sombolonga. Johnny, you must have been a bit shocked when that came across and he, he seemed to make that a bit harder than what it was. Unbelievable. And it was only when we saw it back that you could sort of see how bad a miss it actually was. And the more times you see it, the worse it gets, doesn't it? Um, he, he should have finished that mm. 100 times out of 100, never mind 99 times out of 100. Um, and it was ultimately in the long run, wasn't it? A massive let off if you think about it. Uh, I don't think he'll know how he's missed that still to this day. I don't, Cosy, we don't often get much luck at Huddersfield Town, do we? Um, but that seemed to be a quite a fortunate start. And then we scored with pretty much the first first moment that we had in the entire game. Carol Eiting, who I think was quite quiet for the first half an hour, but to me, he was he was excellent in the last hour. He really sort of drove Huddersfield on from uh, the centre of the park and he seemed to find his range as well, a good passing range. And we've not really seen a player like this for a long time. And I'm going to, uh, I'm not going to compare him to Aaron Moy like some people have done because Aaron Moy up there, isn't he, with, with all the Baldy greats, Cosy. Uh, but it was a good performance from him and he really drove to town on. Yeah, but I'll comment on that. Johnny, did did you hear Warnox? What did he say after a somber longer? What he's effing and black? He must have been out for didn't hear it. I didn't hear it at the time. We were, at the moment that it actually happened, we were all within ourselves looking around saying, what on earth has gone on there? So I didn't take note of what he was doing at the time. I wish I had done now. I wish I'd have had a look to see how he was reacting. Because like you say, it, he would have been absolutely bouncing. And he was throughout the entire game. But then again, Carlos Corbrand gives him a good run for that, doesn't he? You know, he's he's always up and down and yelling around. You can hear him all over the place. I know we're going to talk about what it's like being in there a little bit later on in the in the hour, but... Yeah, I, I, you, you had a real battle between those two, I think, in terms of getting the point across at the, at, at the weekend. I've watched it back a few times, Matt. I don't know if Noel Whelan got it, Grant, because every time we scored, you just did a guy goes, get in! And that, <laughs> that's all you've ever... You know who ever that played. is? Do you want to know who that is? That is the yeah, pitch announcer. Him. That is oh, the, the pitch announcer. I knew it was Rambo. I knew it. Yeah. I was going to say stands, that. He stands right behind us and he takes. Uh, he, you can tell he takes real pleasure. I don't know him personally. He takes like, real pleasure from being able to be heard uh, over the back of us yeah, by clapping really and giving it all that. that. Yeah. It, it's, it, to be fair, it adds some atmosphere for us. That's what we need at the minute. It's better than it being <laughs> a dead stadium, isn't it? <laughs> what was the question again, Matt? <laughs> no, no, Cal Lighting, <laughs> yeah. Fantastic, mate. I mean, we'll talk about the other goal later on, but... He was so pivotal in that Coroma goal as well in the uh, the game that won. He's just such a clever footballer. What I like about him, which he likes to ping a shot off, doesn't he? He's, uh, I mean, he, he would have took a difficult chance that. You, you, when he came back to him, you thought, it wasn't one of those you think that's a goal. or you, But he's not bothered. Not a difficult and, save, uh, though, really, was it, from uh, Mr. Bettinelli? Yeah, I mean, I think that would have been the boot on the other foot and that would have been, God, would have had many keepers who it could have been maybe on the day. I'd have been a bit disappointed with that, but... Yeah, I mean, like you said, uh, Matt, you do, we do need a bit of luck. And I think, yeah, he, you've got to what is it, buy a ticket, win the raffle. He did that. But what's uh, the guy uh, full of money last year? Uh, he didn't, wasn't great. But I mean, incredible. Borough had considered less. He had an amazing game against us for Fulham. Was that the one when we cocked up in last minute? Which game was it? It could be any number of games that. <laughs> that, yeah. that Fulham. Yes, anyone. Yeah. No, I like Iting, and uh, he looks like a man to me. He's there. He knows what he wants to do on the pitch. He's seems a clever footballer. 
just hopefully stays fit. But yeah, really, really good. And uh, God, he, he doesn't even look, how old is he? Because he looks like he's about 12, doesn't he? <laughs> 20, 23, is he? 23 ish? Yeah, yeah, 23. Yeah, I know you do. Goal. I know you joked earlier there, Matt, about comparing him to Aaron Moy, but he's in that he's in that mould, isn't he? He's, I mean, he's obviously nowhere near as good as Moy, but he's, he's he's more like probably like a Michael Collins, I'd say at the moment. You know, he likes to get forward on edge at box and and then take a quick shot. I think he he done it a couple, you know, Stoke and uh, obviously Middlesbrough. So I like him. He's my sort of player. I like players like that, though. So you know, good luck to him. I think Michael Collins will be happy with that, to be honest, Paul. Although Michael Collins gave us your Ronald McDonald moment, didn't he? So back in uh, back in two thousand eight, we'll, we'll come to another time, I'm sure. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll we'll talk about that another time. But uh, since Neil's not on, Neil quite. Uh, uh, you know, Neil's a gentleman and gave up his spot on the podcast tonight for, for Mr. Book. And so no pressure, oh. pressure there, Johnny. So uh, oh, he, dear. I didn't he, know he, that. Would been, <laughs> he would have been waxing lyrical about Isaac and Benza. So I'm going to uh, turn the tandem. What's a three seated bike. I don't know what the, what, what you would call that, but let's uh, pause, jump on the bike and tell us how good Isaac and Benza was on that day. Yeah, he's, he's carried on his, his good form from start of the season, hasn't he? As uh, old Isaac, he's starting to finally, Show summer that we, you know, we paid all that money for. He's had a, you know, a bit of a torrid town at time at town, and you know, this season he, he gives you something a little bit, you know, a little bit better uh, down wing. Certainly on that flank, we won't say too much about fella on other flank because, you know, it's like comparing apples and oranges at the moment. But he can put in a decent set piece as well. I've noticed. Um, you know, there's a bit of a rugby union style run up to it, which I always find amusing. But you know, he can put a decent ball in as well. So, although general play is, you know, a massive improvement. It gives us a little bit more of a threat from set pieces and corners as well, which I think is something that we've been lacking. So, yeah, get me a seat on bike and uh, carry on. Carry on, Isaac. Yeah, good stuff. <laughs> Fantastic. So the game itself, you know, we, it, it kind of turned on its head very quickly, didn't it? So Middlesbrough looked good value for 1-0 after sort of almost half an hour. And then before you know it, we're 2-1 you know, up and everything, you know, the, the, the whole world is, yeah. is looking rosy, isn't it? And um, I have to say, so the decision to award a penalty for Middlesbrough to me seemed ridiculous to be, to be blunt. Um, it seems to me, I, I, I think Huddersfield town, one of those under the radar sides that tends to be on the brunt of more bad refereeing decisions than good, to be honest with you. And this one, <laughs> this one for me, just uh, to, we'll, we'll get Naby Sar out of the way. There's no way Naby Sar needs to slide there. That is just a ridiculous decision from Naby Sar because it gives, it puts something in the referee's head. You know, it puts the potential of a penalty decision in his head. And we'll talk about Naby Sarr in, in a little bit as well. But, Johnny, you must have seen in the ground that there was absolutely no contact there with, um, it, I think it was a Sambalonga, wasn't it? Who, yeah, yeah, it was. went down and it was a frustrating, it could have potentially been a frustrating end to that because Tam were excellent in that second half. It was, I mean, Naby Sarr was on our side of a Sambalonga. So from our side, in the initial view, it looked as though, well, He's clearly taking him down and it's clearly a penalty. But then you see it again. And I, mean, I think there was some contact, but it would have been the most slight and briefest of contact, not in any way, shape or form worthy of a penalty or any way, shape or form worthy of, of him going down. Um, poor decision. I felt that that was going to cost Huddersfield heavily. And then they showed resolve that they've not shown in... Certainly, the my time at Radio Leeds fighting back from behind to to get themselves ahead again just a couple of minutes later. So yeah, I, it wasn't a penalty for me. Um, at the first time of viewing, I thought possibly could be, but then as soon as you see the replay, no, no chance. 
think how I look on stuff now and like that is, can you see why it's given? We're, we're all right. We, the good thing about iFollow yeah. is, is the much abused uh, iFollow is you get a few replays and like Sky and by the time you saw the second one, because I remember you, Johnny, at times in that with a penalty and I was thinking mm. you've probably not seen what we've seen. But no, I hadn't, no. But it's a slight, it's a wet afternoon. Neil Warnock's feeling aggrieved uh, with stuff and you don't need a, you don't, like you said, Matt, you don't need ammunition to kind of give that decision and, uh, yeah, disappointed. Never thought Scofield, oh, we're going to say it, but I'm rubbish at guessing penalties. I've got to remember, <laughs> God, I'm sure my age, but Italian night, when Peter Shilton, I'll never forget that. Jeremy, I thought he's, he's got all that experience. He'll say he'll do well on his shootout. I mean, and every one of them, they were nowhere near. So, but yeah, I didn't fancy him saving it. And to be honest, then it's uh, it looked only one winner there. So mm. yeah, Rudersfield. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. Yeah, and obviously we we mentioned Carol Lighting, and he made that fantastic dummy run, didn't he? In behind uh, in behind the man that uh, we're going to uh, do this for again, because you know every time Josh Caroma scores, we uh, we assemble the fan club, don't we? So. There we go. It's probably a bit loud, but Josh Caroma again. Um, I'm as as you probably don't know, Johnny. I'm the president of the Josh Caroma fan club. So every time he scores, we we assemble the fan club, if you like. So love it, love it. Waking up your kids. <laughs> he might have. He might. He might actually. He probably won't even be asleep knowing him. But anyway, and um, again, you know, Josh Caroma is is a player who, you know, last season we saw him. Last season we've seen Jonathan Hogg's post match interview mentioned him as well saying that he was carrying a bit of extra weight and this season he's looking really lean really quick and that goal for me was uh, it drew comparisons with Carl and Grant as well just in just the way he cut in from that left hand side and just rasped it into the bottom corner and pause I jumped out of my seat I've been a little bit a little bit ambivalent to some of the football you know kind of been a bit like mm, I think but that one was a real sort of out of his seat moment and exciting no I agree man. I did exactly the same I think even uh sent a message to someone to tell, wow, I've got excited about a goal. You know, it's, I'm one of them, I don't particularly like watching it on telly because you can't get fully involved. And when there's no crowd there, it's even harder sometimes. You know, you've got your commentary from Radio Leeds, which is always great, so you get a feel for it. But, you know, there's no better than, than being there, is there? When you've just conceded a goal as well and then you get one back within, well, five minutes or so, it, it just kind of means that a little bit more. It's always, I always think like when you score a couple of goals in quick succession, you celebrate the second more than the first because you're on that you're on that high and that, right. you know, to, to pull one back when you've, you know, you've come from behind once and you've sort of thrown it away with a stupid goal. So to get that third, it were, like you say, it were an out your seat moment. And I can imagine if we'd have been in, uh, been in South on there, because there'd have been a few, few limbs, as they say, the young ones say. Yeah, them Borough fans would have got it, wouldn't they? But they I would, think yeah. one of the best things for me, watching the goal back, desire from lads, three, four, five lads, you know, wanting to get in the box, wanting to win the game. Where I'm damn sure Danny Carly be like, right, two two against the Borough, that's a good result. You know, we won't forget what you're doing getting you up Danny forward. Cowley. It would be brilliant and that as well. But then then Warnock were talking out of his backside about a penalty. What were he on about there? That he would never seen a penalty that. But he thought they when it were coming together, <laughs> but that's what the referee said to him and that as well. But that wasn't a penalty at all. But yeah, brilliant goal. Uh, and again, the there seems to be Good thing is, I'm positive. I don't know about you, but over the years, it gets me so frustrated with town. We, we don't shoot enough. How many times have we used to say that? But now, I think, to be honest, we do shoot a lot. And sometimes we're shooting a bit, which probably come up to last night's game, but aimlessly. But yeah, he's not bothered, man. Sometimes Karoma has kind of got me frustrated, Matt. I know you've blown your own and what have you, but 
sometimes I do think he is a little bit too selfish, but I suppose... Conch. Yeah, goal scorers would say, and oh, people that, you know, like to do all that stuff is that you've got a bit to do it. And yeah, Billy Keeper just, just stood there, didn't he? With a great moment. And uh, yeah, that, when I rung you, Johnny, after Max Meyer, only regret were like, Poser says we couldn't be there living it and yeah. drinking it in. And uh, yeah, maybe uh, hopefully do a few more of them when we get back in. I, I think for me, what impressed me most about the goal was his composure. I don't know about you guys who, who will have seen him more than I have, but I got the impression that, and when I've seen him in the past, that's something he might have snatched at a little bit more, a little bit earlier. He wouldn't have necessarily waited those extra few seconds and taken that extra, you know, drop of a shoulder and extra step right to kind of open it up a little bit. Um, and for a young player to to have that composure in that position late on in a game with the opportunity to win it, that was the most impressive factor for me, that he was able to just keep his head and, and finish it off really well technically and skill-wise, fantastic. But it was the mentality of it that he didn't think this is the last minute, this is the last chance for us to get a, a goal there. I'll have a, I'll have a bit of a snapshot. He took his time, took a breath, took a touch, opened it up and managed to get a shot away. That was the most impressive part for me. And I think that bodes really well moving forward as well for pressurised situations for the club. If he's on that field, you know, he knows how to kind of deal with that now and has learnt from it maybe. Yeah, and he was, was averaging well. 14 shots a game. Uh, well, 14 shots every goal uh, before that and he's, it's now starting to dip a little bit is that which mm. is which is great Pause. you're going to wade in on that though uh, sorry I was just going to say I can't remember exactly who it was uh, I think it might have been Toffolo but somebody made a run down outside and took Iting yeah. yeah took a couple of players away which just created that space for him as well which you know mm. again Iting we talk about intelligent players sometimes that you know I tell kids who I coach just because you've not got the ball don't mean to say that you're not influential and actually that just proves there. In fact, I might show him it on the video. Um, that actually, not having the ball, sometimes you can be even more effective because you, you take yeah. your players away and create in that space. So, uh, a mm. decent sort of team goal again. We bet a good side on Saturday. It's as simple as that. That it were a, you know, I don't say standout moment and stuff because Swansea were a great win as well. And like Millwall, it's probably Swansea the best side we've beaten. But I thought. They, I mean, to score three against Middlesbrough is a pretty good effort. This year's version of Middlesbrough is a, is a totally different one. And what I liked about it, they, as expected, they were very physical. But And then, yeah, the first half an hour, they maybe should have put the game to bed. But they didn't. And we just kind of grasped it. And again, another second half performance where we excelled. It just seemed to be a bit of a theme this year. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about last night. But overall, second half, we see it come into our zone, which is good and shows maybe fitness and... You know, other good things, people, you know, will to win and, and stuff like that as well. So, yeah, I was buzzing me on Saturday, as anyone who listened to Johnny's show after knew. And <laughs> because it was a great win, they played well, there were a twist to the tail, and Warnock, uh, as they say in Scotland, get it up, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. I think that's some I interesting stats leave. then from, oh, maybe not so interesting, depends on your point of view. Sorry, Paz. But just, just some, some little things that we picked up. So, um, Carol Iting, when he scored, he became our joint top scorer for the season. Then Fraser Campbell scored. Uh, and then he became our joint top scorer as well. Uh, and then Josh Caroma, you know, the, uh, all three of them were, were level. And then Josh Caroma scored to, to get back out in front, which I thought was quite an, a curious and unusual thing to happen. Um, this season, it, it took it's taken Campbell 14 games to hit three goals last year it took him 30 you know he's got three goals in 34 games so we've seen an improvement from Fraser Campbell already which is which is good to see uh and a great cameo as well from uh Reg as he's known Romani Edmonds Green I thought that he he showed real maturity in that game and he came on I thought his, as centre-back pause will go to you because his positioning I thought from crosses was excellent as well he didn't hide 
He read the ball. He read the situation, read the game well. And uh, he, um, I thought he was, he had a very promising cameo. I like him. Yeah, I, I like him. Uh, I know Stevens. We've talked about Stephen, you know, a lot on this podcast. Um, sometimes he, you know, he gets a bit of unfair criticism. Sometimes he gets justified. But when Edmunds Green came on, it didn't phase me in any way. Sometimes, you know, when you, so when your main centre half goes off and a young lad comes on, you, you get a bit nervous and stuff like that. But I, I actually like him. He's, you know, he's a his positioning's good. He's pretty strong. You know, he's going to make mistakes. I think a couple of times he maybe got caught trying to pinch a ball when, when he probably shouldn't and got rolled a couple of times. But, you know, he's still a really young lad and he's still learning and, you know, he'll only get better by playing. Um, but yeah, as a, as a centre-half, I'm not particularly worried if I see him in, in starting 11. Um, so yeah, fair play to him. That would have involved the incident at the end, but it wasn't a penalty in my eyes. And, obviously, and the main one, it wasn't a penalty in the referee's eyes and that as well. I think we were in the summer longer, wasn't it? But, I didn't think that were a spot. That was kick, closer but... than the other one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but... probably one, actually. But yeah, no job done. But the thing with this division, and we'll come on, obviously, last night, but I said to you, it would, before the game, it wouldn't surprise me if we lost 4-0 at Cardiff last night because the division makes no sense. COVID football makes no sense. Carlos's changes didn't make much sense. And yeah, it was almost as if Middlesbrough never happened last night, wasn't it? Because... Uh, we were bad, weren't we, last night? We were poor. Let's move on it's to it, first... Carlos. Yeah, it's the first game, Let's... Matt, that I didn't think we were ever in the, the battle in the arm race. The arm race, the... Uh, uh, just the, the old... <laughs> the arm race. Yeah, the, the arm wrestle. We're not, we're not in there. Uh, you do wonder, don't you, Wheels, because it's a brittle squad and kind of we play... The way we play involves a lot of energy, so these back-to-back games, but... I never felt we were going to win, landed a blow, and but we were a zone worst enemy really, and that as well. And they'd obviously beaten Luton four 0 They were licking their lips, and uh, yeah, we just laid down, and we were poor, weren't we? And I think that's as bad, maybe the worst performance of the season. Brentford accepted, but then you could maybe say they're the top team, but well, good team, but yeah, just never felt we were in the game, and really disappointing, wasn't it, really? Do you think this highlights a, a squad issue then? Because the you know Matty Daly played left wing. You know there was a big sort of Rolando Aaron-sized hole, if you like, on the the left wing. Really, um, Schindler seemed to come back in quite soon. Although you, you know Ramon Emmons Green, we would have thought may have been get back three, which is is something uh, we predicted on on the preview show, but weren't entirely convinced would happen. But you know, obviously did. Uh, do you th- like I say? Do you think? Now we're coming up to this really busy time. Do you think this might show a couple of holes whereby our squad is pretty wafer thin? I think so. But the trouble is, we're a team that's on a second year's parachute payment where you haven't got any money and you're not going to have decent backup really and that as well. I mean, Pippa's loss has been huge. Duane, really poor. I just... God, I don't like to have a go. A kid who's been played 14 games for, since he's ever signed and stuff like that as well. But to me, nowhere near good enough uh, to be a starting right back at Huddersfield Town FC. Uh, and I didn't have a problem with the goalkeeper thing. We'll come on to that obviously after. But yeah, I, he, he's he's just not a quality player. I mean, Bakuna, for much as you know, his frustrations and stuff, he's still a good you know key key kind of weapon for us. And in missing was a another issue. I would. I want too bothered. Ward for Campbell. I would have had on Saturday. Never mind uh, last night. But 
yeah, you look at the bench and it was uh, woefully uh, weak, but I just felt that we never, th their football were very direct and long throwings. It were like going back to the 80s, 90s, wasn't it? And stuff that were proper slinging them in. But yeah, Keith and Moore were class though. What sign me is? Oh, Keith. Yeah, good player. <laughs> Not Good Keith player, Amor, mate. yeah. Oh, Keith Amor, as I thought he would call. He'll move on for 20 million somewhere, mate. He'll move on for more than Grant will, in my opinion. No, he won't. Mean, like, he's 28 years old. He's not He's not moving on. I don't think. Johnny, you're, you're there in the stadium. You, you were there last night, as I understand it. So He won't do it in the studio. I wasn't last night. Last oh, night I was cheating. Night, I was, I was having to do... I was having to struggle along with iFollow like you guys last night. Yeah, Cardiff, the way it was working at the minute is we would obviously send a presenter and our commentator and a pundit. Um, but the individual clubs at the moment, due to social distancing, can tell us whether we're allowed two or three passes. Yeah, and Cardiff unfortunately said to us, you can only have two because you're English um, or something <laughs> like that. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, unfortunately, I mean, I didn't have to go all the way to Cardiff, but I would have loved to have gone. Um, I do still, even in the current times without fans in there, it's still, you know, great to be at it as opposed to in the studio you just don't get the same feeling for it but I struggled away with I follow like you guys all did um, I, I think Kiefer Moore was fantastic I don't know if he'll ever go for the same money as as Carl and Grant in my opinion I watched him quite a bit when he was at Rotherham as well I think or Barnsley um, and I think he's a good player he's a bit of a uh, bit of a Peter Crouch beast isn't he in some ways a bit of an anomaly people struggle to, to deal with him I just think that Cardiff have a very good experienced championship side and a good experienced championship manager as well don't they let's be honest and I think that's what came across last night I think a few people said to us after the game on the show that they felt that town were bullied out of the game and I, I kind of agree with them on that I think I think what this town side does lack at times is a bit of punch and a bit of fight and the guy who has it Jonathan Hogg who has all that fight and punch in him it's sometimes misdirected and he sometimes get, gets away with it and sometimes he doesn't um, you know, and, and that isn't undermining what he does and how important he is to the team. But what I'm saying is I don't think there are enough people who have half of what Jonathan Hogg has in terms of that fight and battle. I don't know. It's not a personal attack on them. I just think it's a physicality thing. I don't know what you guys think about the physicality of no, this. I, I think you're right there, Johnny. And we, we spoke very similar against Wickham. Uh, they were very similar. They were they were physical. And, and actually, if you look at how we lined up last night, as you mentioned, Johnny Hogg is probably one of the you know, a few that will stick a tackle in and actually playing him in position that he played him in last night. So I almost took him out of the game to enable yeah. him to make make any difference because it certainly looked like to me, not only were he playing in the back three, you were almost like an old school sweeper. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think Carlos there looking at, are we getting caught on break? Do we need someone in there that can break it up, you know, a little bit further down the field? Um, there were certainly two or three occasions where, it kind of shocked me at first, so I sort of paid a bit more attention to what I usually would about where players are, because um, I thought Johnny Hogg was playing centre-back, but he's really deep, and he, a couple of times he, he made that 10-15 yard run forward, and then almost thought, bloody hell, I don't need, I shouldn't be here, and he sort of backpedalled and backpedalled, um, and I think what happened then is it, it took a lot away from your midfield, you kind of used Johnny Hogg as a bounce board in some respects, so you you know, you sent the midfielder, picks it up, you drop it off to Hogg, and they then move forward, um, mm. They didn't have that little backwards pass last night because Hogg was so far behind. If you'd have played it to him, you're knocking it, you know, 20, 30 yards behind you. And I think that ought not didn't really solve the problem in defence, but it also created another problem in midfield. So for me, that didn't particularly work last night. Um, I look, I look through the squad, and like, as you said, don't think you've got Fraser Campbell who sort of puts himself about. But again, sometimes that can be really misguided. It, 
probably frustration mm. sometimes more than anything else. And he tends to give a lot of silly free kicks. He always gets like stupid really fucking done if Campbell. He does. He always says that pushes someone up. Doing last night, like that yeah. um, stupid. So I think I think the more physical teams that we do play against, we do we do struggle. I think I think you're dead right there, Johnny. I think the problem as well is that you've got. I think the hardest thing for us is Carlos knows his players because I know Neil were both last night. We had a little bit of a chat last night, and he were like, he meant too many changes to key players. But the only thing I'd say is game in, game out, you, you change, you know, game every three days, it seems. And maybe some of these guys had a niggle and just weren't, <clears throat> weren't kind of right and that as well. But it's it was first game I thought that two down, we were dead. We were done. We were dead, mate. We went Sarah and Emma did yeah. a lull on Ardiac to the back and, and that were it. You could have put another channel on, we were finished. And I'd just look around because that, that's where you do need. I just wondered if we did need positive, a different... I put Matt Glennon on spot after on Saturday. Said, "What would you do for January?" He said, "I'd only bring a striker in." But uh, and that I just want. Do you know a different type of player, Paul? Because I just think what well, what's what's better with back to goal in and, and put more of them in the Camelis. But I just feel maybe we lack a bit of a bit of pace up there. Or you know something different, mate, that you could have slung off bench. Don't, I mean, you were saying uh, why didn't he sling kind of youth on last night? But he just I don't know. It's it's a tough one because you've got, you know, to, to bring a... It depends how they want to play, doesn't it? You know, I know we've, we've got sort of to discuss Carlos in a little bit more depth, you know, later on. But if you're looking to bring that big man on to hold it up, you're almost going a little bit old school. Like, do you go a little bit more direct? Does he, you know, bring it down in his chest, play it wide, spin off, and then look for a cross into the box? To me, we don't seem to play that sort of style. We want to, we want to sort of move it around and play it in behind the fullbacks. So for me... Not having someone like that on, you know, like a Steve Mooney or an Andy Booth type, you know, it doesn't surprise me that they haven't sort of got anyone like that because we don't really want to play that style. In saying that, though, mm. you've got to have better than than Ward and than Campbell. Ward worth the main target allegedly. Um, yeah, I know he's been injured and only just come back, but if that's if that last it's night, a decent chance he had it first half, wasn't it? That that was a decent struggle. opportunity. Matt, what well, the the cock up with the goal? I, at first, it was Sar. This, Which you know, one? maybe well, <laughs> the one with Sar and but Eamon's pass were awful, wasn't it? And I, I just wondered if maybe it were more Eamon's fault. Yeah. I felt a bit sorry for him, really, because he's got his back to the other guy, just pressed him. And yeah, all right, you think you put it out for it, but you know, we never do. But and I think Eamon, but Eamon went nuts with Sar, like swore you could hear him there because I'd had a feed on last night, I've no uh, common chance, so you could hear him. Yeah, and, and, yeah. But I'm just thinking, Ben, you you caused that as much as Sai. Mm. Yeah, did you I agree? Had two trains of thoughts with this one, cause I had two trains of thoughts. So the first first thing I saw really was uh, when I watched it, I was like, Nabi Sai, what are you doing? You've made an absolute monstrosity of that. And then I saw Poz's tweet, which said Ben Hamer, Ben Hamer's got to do better than that. And, I, and my initial thought was bollocks pause you know when i saw it and i said that to <laughs> yeah, you that's know, what most people pause. say when they say and, oh, um, and then i thought you know what <laughs> and i thought i'll watch it back so i watched i watched it back and when i watched it back there were two things that stood out um one of them was the type of pass that ben hamer tried to do was a very whip you know you bring your right leg around your hip you know that sign of whip pass and he didn't put enough strength on it to get to nabisar so it was you know, it was under hit so, which I didn't pick up on the first time. The second time was the distance between Hamer and Saar. And I think Saar is too far away from Ben Hamer as well. So it, it's both of them to a, to a point. But I would imagine Ben Hamer's going, what are you doing all the way over there when I'm stu- when I'm down at this side of the box? You know, I, you know, in terms of goalkeeping, 
if your goalkeepers that far side of the box, don't go stand up on the touchline over there because the 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 the, uh, the sort of chance of error, if you like, the further away, you know, it's all about percentages. You know, Nabisar has to come shorter to get that ball because you yeah, can't just whip it. Reaction though, Matt, for for somebody like Nabisar because. Probably. Playing, it's probably drilled to go stand on the point on the corner of the corner of the no, box. I, 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 I agree what you're saying. You know, as as we're trying to play this new style, it, it should be that our oh, keeper's going to get it. I need to go to this sort of position. But Yeah, I think a, he's gone to a reset point. First thought is he seeing that ball come back to him and he's thinking, do you know what? He's just going to put his foot through this. Because that's what would generally happen, isn't it? Let's be honest. In, you know, in no, I don't think we do is that. Is it a case no, of the, the style's just not fully embedded or yet? Or is it just a case of laziness or tiredness or... I think well, to be honest, I think he's just it. gone back to a reset point, if you like. You know, so if Ben Hamer's in the middle of the goal, I think that's where he stands. Yeah, so, yeah. I, so you know, Schindler goes on one one the point of the on the penalty box, and Saar goes on the other. So it's like he's gone back, and he's in his head, he's gone back to the reset point. But Ben Hamer's fifteen yards further that, or yeah, ten yeah. yards maybe further that way. So <laughs> he needs to drop ten yards off for me to to make that gap you know to make that gap consistent so there's, there's two things really it's a bad pass and i think he's stood in the wrong place so you I, can really i'm gonna you can look i'm gonna it. copy matt glennon on this one who last night said Hamer has to take some Get responsibility yeah it, but 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 Hamer has to take the responsibility on as as in you can be told by coaches all your life that this is how we now play you know we play it out from the back we play it to the center house we don't bump it long that's what you have to do that's what you have to do repetition 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 but ultimately He's the one out there with the ball coming to him. And he's the one who can look up and see where Saar is and whether Saar's in the right position, like you say, or whether he's too far away. That's another point to talk about with Saar. But when that ball comes to Hamer, he should not be playing it to Saar in that position with the with the, the player, the Cardiff player, bearing down on him as he was. Saar then makes an absolute meal of it. But in my opinion, I'm going to go with, with Matt Glennon and say, you've got to just go for it there and get rid. You've got to, if your boss has a go at you afterwards, then you can look back on the video at a later point and go, this is why I did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is why he was in the wrong position there. And that's why I had to go along. And then you absolve yourself, don't you? And go, well, that, he was in the wrong position, but you can't be playing those sorts of balls. And, and this is a thing with the style that you will see under Carlos Corbran. And when you're talking about, you know, having another different option on the bench, you ain't going to have it, chaps, because if he is a disciple of Marcelo Bielsa, which we know he is, it is if plan A isn't working, you do plan A better. You don't have a plan B. You keep going and you keep going and you keep going. And unfortunately, what you will find is some players in this squad won't be able to consistently play that style and get it right time after time, as we saw maybe with the Hamer pass and with the Saar error as well. You know, so it, it's you're going to have these moments where these issues are going to be created. And you've just got to hope that a lot of the time you, you get away with them or that over time they get less and less and less as these players become more and more accustomed to what they're expected to do under Carlos. What, 15 games in now? You know, so yeah. they're, still, they're still in a, a, a very steep part of the learning curve, I would argue, a lot of these players. I think with these, we've all played like even five a side and you know sometimes you let goals in you just like in a, in a game that might, and you think we can come back from this. But the first goal again was an absolute deflating goal because... Duane let the guy just steam straight mm. past him. And Schindler, who Stephen Chicken wrote a, an interesting article today, I agree with him. Just not that man he was whatsoever. And Saar, I don't know who were meant to pick him on up, but it were like, it were poor with that, wasn't it? Yeah. And then the second one just, it kills you, doesn't it? You're just like, you're reeling from that, thinking, bloody hell. And then that happens, and just like, there's no real coming back, I think, from them type of goals. If, if more smashes went in from, you know, 40 yards or Ojo, Ali Wilson or someone like you, like, okay, but. 
them, them all three of them were all three were naff, mate. Because yeah, the way Roman Edmonds Green gets rolled on the third is really totally poor rolled. as well. Yeah, you know, I'd, I'm not going to lay into Roman Edmonds Green because he had a great debut, and I want to focus on that really than than that goal. And, and to be fair, he's got to come and try and get the ball. We're losing two 0 He's got to try and intercept, but it's just it's a learning curve, really. Move on, um, Cardiff, Matt. <laughs> yeah, the curtain down. It, it brings us in nicely into you know sort of the, the Carlos discussion um, that, that Johnny makes about. You know, if plan A is not working, can we do plan A better? Um, one of my Chester Chester's fans uh, replied, uh, mates replied to me when I put that tweet out about it being Ben Amos' fault, and he said exactly that. Johnny, you know, the else's philosophy is um, you, you're a lot less likely to concede without the ball, um, with the ball, sorry, than you are with it. And I sort of replied, well, yeah, you are, but as long as you centre half don't fall over in you know six yard box. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I fully agree, and I've seen a lot of that with with Carlos. It is. Plan A, it's nice when it works. Um, we don't we don't always see it. I think we talk about this new revolution and style of play and all that sort of stuff. And again, it, it's easy to compare it to when Wagner took over because sort of the hype around Carlos coming in were very similar. Um, do we see every every single week? Do we see that style? For me, no, we don't. There's been a few games this season where we've not really implemented it as well as what we probably could. Um I've mentioned on here before, the planned goals look really good, where we start, as Matt says, from the reset point and we play pass A, pass B, player runs to C. And, you know, those goals look really good, but I still think we're really struggling to create anything, you know, ad hoc where we sort of win the ball back. Um, I think that seems to change to me, Pops. Obviously, Pippa's been injured, but the early the early five, six, seven games to me were, were, were Toffler and Pippa were massive, but you don't see that as much now. I mean, last night he started down with Toffolo and then a bit like some of the mm. other games, he kind of got on him and that was it. Obviously, Duane is not took paper and there was nothing coming kind of from the right. So he does seem to have gone in the middle a little bit. And we've had, we have had some joy, but to me, that that early style where we were bombing forward and wing-backs and what have you, I didn't, that seems to have kind of stopped I think, I think a couple of teams probably took by surprise early doors as well because it was such a different style to mm. what we used to play under Cowley. You know, you've got to think a new manager's coming, no one's seen us play. So did we, you know, his first sort of five games were probably a little bit of a shock factor. Um, you know, coming back to Carlos, for me though, you've got, when, you, when you've got a team like Town at the moment, you've probably got, for me anyway, he's got sort of three options. He can either change his style of play to suit his players that he's got. You have to try and make the existing players better or you bring you know, bring better players in. So for me, number one, changing style of play. I, I don't think he will because, as, as Johnny says, he's a, he's a Bielsa man. So he'll learn pretty much everything from him who, who doesn't change the style of play. Make existing players better. When? There's no time. We're playing games all the time. So when can you say, right, this week we'll work on X? You, do, you can't because you've played, you have a recovery day, massages, a bit of gym work, you know, then you're sort of moving on to your tactics for next. There's no time to actually work on it. And then getting more players in, you know, you've got a, you've got to wait till January, and then B, does he want new players? You know, we're hearing things that hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, 
the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. I think the squad's decent enough. You know, there's all right, maybe Aaron's coming in, but for me, we need a lot more than that. Um, again, that'll time will tell on that one. Um, my my sort of worries are if it were me, I'd probably try and mix the style up a little bit. So as we've said, like looking at your games like against Cardiff and Wickham, do we go a little bit more direct? Do we sort of know when to when to play the style and when not to play the style? Um, again, a good manager can can look at that and sort of instill that into his players. Uh, my worry is that he won't do that. He will just continue to do plan A and can we do plan A better well for me what if we can't there's got to be a breaking point um, mm. I've said it before and here again and I think this season is a full transition season um, it's easy to sit and say that now but when you've just watched a match and you get caught up in the emotion of it or you, you know you get a little bit angry and I think as long as we can tread water say not go down from what I've seen of us I think we'll have as we'll have a lot more Middlesbrough and we'll have a lot more Cardiffs and I think as long as we can just pick up enough to stay up um I think I think we'll do all right. I do think Carlos is probably getting a little bit of a free ride at the moment because the football, when it is good, is good. Um, under Cowley, you know, you could argue results were very similar, but the football were bad. So, you know, you take the better performances instead of the results kind of thing. But and their results are the you know the bread and butter. I don't know what you know what you guys think about that, but yeah, it's a little bit more enjoyable, but it's so much more frustrating for me because we seem to be so close yet so far away. We're eight off playoffs, Paul, and we're eight off relegation. But let's be honest, mate. I had a few Leeds fans kind of come at me on that saying, oh, you, t- top three are done, but maybe a playoff spot. It'd frighten the hell out of me with a sub-town getting anywhere near Premier League anytime <laughs> soon because before, because Johnny, you just said it, we've said it for a few weeks. There's guys there who are just not good enough to do what Carlos wants them to do. It's as simple yeah. as that. And we know the big earners are still, your Pritchards and people like that, the Akabe, they're not. A, we need to ship them out in the summer. We know August 2021, you'll see your, your Carlos lineup and your best of the seal town. And so I'm kind of pleased to see the progress. Yeah, where are we are eight off top three, I, I, eight off top six. I think you're in, in line with what the club are thinking as well, Cosy. Um, and, and I think that, you know, the whole mantra around bringing, from my understanding, Carlos in was to be greater than the sum of your parts. So to, to make the team better by making all your individual bits work better at those individual bits. Um, and that doesn't mean going out and buying loads of players. Now, it doesn't mean they won't go out and add a sprinkling in. It doesn't mean they won't decide, you know what, we do need more down the left or we do need more up top or whatever. You know, it doesn't mean that Phil won't open that checkbook and go and do some business. But I think what you say, Paz, about the fact that you're in the middle of a season and when are you going to make these players better? That's when you're making them better by playing them time and time again, because you can guarantee Hamer and Saar probably won't make that same mistake again. So that's one thing that you would like to think that they've ticked off and gone, OK, we've learned from that scenario. And whether that is that Hamer next time goes long or whether it is that Saar's actually in the position he probably should be in, um, whichever one of those is is corrected doesn't matter really, does it, as long as it's corrected. Le- Leeds at times got away with absolute suicide football at times, you know, when they were playing in and around the edge of their area, but they got away with it. Sometimes they didn't. 
most of the time they got away with it. And you've got to remember, they didn't go up the first year under Bielsa. It took two years for them to, to get there um, under Bielsa. And it took a global pandemic, some would argue, as well, for them to get there under Bielsa. So I, I think next season is what, you know, all the eggs are in the basket, aren't they, for next season from everybody at the club, whether that's Phil Hodgkinson, whether that's Lee Bromby, Carlos, the players. And I think this year they will look at it and go, right, which of these are the ones that we actually do think can be a part of this plan A and which are the ones that we think we need to bring in some other players to play that role instead. I think they'll look at that quite heavily in the summer. You'd like to think so anyway, wouldn't you? If, if as you guys yeah. say, it ends up in a transitional season and you finish mid-table somewhere. Matt, what do you think? Because I, I get feeling sometimes you're a bit not all that with Carlos, where we're... Oof. Can you hear me? Okay, I've, I've switched. I've switched. Yeah. Um, I switched Beautiful that. Man. I thought my uh, my microphone was causing my laptop to lag, so I've switched to a headset. But uh, but no, I, I do. I like Carlos a lot. I love the style of play. I love. Um, I, I find him difficult to listen to um, in because he's very sort of business, and I'm not really seeing a. It's really pathetic. This I know it's X Factor generation, but there's not much of a personality come out just yet. Do you know, like David Wagner was quite charismatic and you know charming and great mm. to listen to and whereas Carlos is just very sort of straight business do you know what I mean and I don't mind that to a point but I, I did prep something on this um, which my, my question really is has Carlos Cobram hit a speed bump or is there something deeper um, I think it's good to look at things objectively I'm a big fan I'm a fan of Carlos so far I'll, I'll always stick up for Carlos at this present moment in time if someone goes in at him because uh, I, I understand what he's trying to do I like what he's trying to do I like where he's trying to go and I'm on board with with the vision that he's selling um, I think it's good to look at games in bunches of six you know all the form guys tend to look at them in six so when you look at our last six games since Millwall which is the seventh we've played six we've won one which many will argue is a lucky one uh, drawn two lost three and that's a dig decrease on the previous six which was three wins one draw two defeats so results have taken a bit of a dip in that moment and it's not so much that the results have dipped it's the performances in them as well so like I say I love the style of play and I can forgive the errors at the back as well because for every Saar falling over and Stokes at Pereira there's that wonderful goal at Derby there's there's other ones so I'm quite happily obviously you don't like conceding but I'm, I'm on board with the style um but sometimes it feels like when a game's not going our way, um, or the, it's like rugby league, you know, because you put rugby league on the agenda further down, didn't you? And it's such a game of momentum, isn't it? Do you know, where all of a sudden one, one team builds up a head of steam and they're hard to stop. Um, in football, it's never like that, but it feels like when the other team have a momentum, Carlos kind of stutters a little bit and, he, and it's where he needs to change the game and he doesn't change much. You know, like it's like Johnny says, he sticks to Plan A, and if Plan A is not working, you know the, the whole thing's not working. The game gets flipped on the head, and we've lost a lot of games from well, not a lot, but we've lost an unusual amount of games from winning positions. You know, in terms of the sample size. Um, so my question is: Is Carlos good at affecting a game which is going on? It, to me, it looks great at setting a team. You know, it's it, I know this is going to draw unfavorable comparisons and people are going to throw pelters at me for this, but it reminds me a little bit of Lee Clark in that he could set a team up brilliantly. Um, you know, he could, you know, he could line everything up great, line the pieces up, but when things were happening in front of him, you know, obviously we've got three years of Lee Clark to draw on for this, but when things were happening in front of him or when things went wrong, he had no idea what to do to change what was going on in front of him. And in the last six games, there's been a couple of occasions where I've gone, hmm, we, we, I know Preston was a bit further back, but we won up one up against Preston, ended up losing 2-1. And you could just see the shift. Cardiff last night, you could just see they'd won the arm wrestle and that was it. You know, the shift 
yeah, that, that was it. There was no sort of coming back. Um, well, how many times for, have you conceded goals back to back within five, ten minute periods? Yeah, that, that's that suggests Preston did it stuttering. Us, City did it to us. Birmingham yeah. did Birmingham do it as well? Um, no, they they scored at the, the they scored straight back after we scored, didn't they? But there's been a couple though, hasn't there? Yeah. And, that, and does that suggest you you know what you're saying there about that stutter, that 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 hesitation? To change things, and, and actually, the irony of that is that it's something that Carlos has spoken about quite a bit in his in his press conferences recently. That his players need to get better at being able to adapt to different situations in the game. You know, he said about coming from behind and winning from behind. That was one of the things ahead of this run of nine nine consecutive games very quickly condensed. He said one of the factors we spoke about was at some point we will be behind in a game and we need to show that we can turn that around and win a game. Now we did that against Middlesbrough obviously, but he's talking about he's talking about different scenarios that they need to learn to overcome. And maybe, maybe you're right, Matt. Maybe he needs to learn to overcome some of his own as well, apart as well as his players. Yeah, this is this is this is not a dig at him by any means. It's no, just, no, you know, no. we've we've brought in an under 23s coach who is not the finished article. And I'm just sort of seeing one or two little bits where I think mm, maybe he could do and you know, who am I to question Carlos Corbran for a start? But you know, he there's just a couple of bits whereby you kind of think, hmm, you know, the, and I, I believe in him. I, I'm fully 100% behind Carlos Corbran and, and what he's doing. There's just been a couple of occasions now where you just think, is he a principled idealist, if you like, and say, right, this is how we're playing and we're going to do it from minute one to 90. Whereas I know someone's mentioned that there should be a swear jar for Cosy every time in the comments, every time he mentions Danny Cowley, and I'm on board with that because we'll be absolutely loaded if uh, if Cosy has to chip a quid in every time he mentions <laughs> Danny Cowley. But if you know, like Danny, one one of Danny Cowley's great strengths was that he could alter a game going on in front of him. He could break games down into quarters. You know, like West Brom, fantastic four game of quarters there, uh, and he could you know not so much set a team up to go, but he could alter everything. Whereas when things are going against us, I'm struggling to see us changing a game. But my question mainly is, is that down to Carlos or is that down to the players that he's been given? And has he been given... Um, I think not. No, he, has, he hasn't been sold short as such, but you know, he's. I don't think he's got as strong a squad as the previous manager has. I think a lot of that might, might come down to the fact that it's his first season in senior football and actually results do matter. Whereas in under-23s, you are trying to build... An ethos, a style of play, and if you know if Town under twenty threes lose to Doncaster under twenty threes four nil, but they've played it out front back every single time for ninety minutes and they've got better at that, you'd say, yeah, great, it's a development game. Because as you come into first team football, yeah. it's not the time to develop. Yeah, you can practice and you can get better at stuff, but ultimately, coming off losing four nil against Doncaster and saying, yeah, but we played it out front back every time, don't cut it anymore, and I think where you're saying about changing a game is not ever really like probably hard to use out. that. Sorry there, pause. <laughs> yeah, I no, just feel like I've Carlos out and I'm not meant to do that. I'm just meant to point out that there are little things because I'm a fan of his, but there are just those little things whereby we need to make a few more changes during the game. No, I, I fully agree, man. I, I don't think you dug him out at all. I thought it's probably... I dare say he's probably not listening, but it's uh, it's constructive criticism. Is I hope he's not. Me. You know, it's reasoned and it's, <laughs> yeah. you're not just having a pop for the sake of it. And I, I do genuinely think he's still finding his feet. He's, he's, we've only had, I think, 15 games yeah, with Johnny Pleasant. There's a massive, massive difference between development football and, and first-team football, let alone at a championship level, where you could argue it's still one of the better, you know, top 10 quality leagues in, in Europe. So I think it's a, as much as it's a transition season for the club, it's also a massive transition season for him and he's got to learn. And I, I'm very yeah. similar to you, Matt. I think we share similar views with, 
we used to like the man who shall not be named, so we have to put money in a swear jar now. Uh, we we liked some of the things that he could do, but now we also like... I like Tian Siva, mate. I don't know do. if I'm, I'm the person uh, you should speak to about that. If we could combine maybe the two qualities together, then we'd probably have a very good, you know, decent manager. And I think the in time that, it would the, come. The thing that worries me, and, and he's a fascinating for me, and I don't want to kind of bring out the one we're going to talk about, when we get back in, I'm fascinated to see how it's going to pan out because... I think some of our fans are sort of very impatient. Get it forward. I, I, I mentioned it before, but that Luton when kind of uh, Camille got kind of bullied into stop doing what... That was just you as well, Cosy, was that? What's that yeah. going to be like? But, but, but will Ben Amer, you know, get it forward. Bloody rubbish, sir. Stop passing it. We're one nil down. You know, we're patient. We're sat in a supper. We can't do much. But you that know that bad. thing? Will the Huddersfield public adopt... To this, I mean, we've seen it on his TV. That's going to be fascinating to me because mm. the, I, I do worry about that. And will it make people change? Because I don't think it will, because obviously they'll be dropped if they don't follow the game plan. But I just, I'm really, I can't wait to get him back in the ground for starters. But when it does, I just wonder how it's going to go down because we do like Goody Atom and, and kind of and Andy Boo type, all that and stuff. Yeah. This is this is continental sexy football. and Will the fa- Wait, Johnny, I suppose, throw it to you. What would it, at Leeds early on when he, you know, maybe were kind of embedded? How did it go down there? Or did people just think, we're sick of bad managers, this guy's got a track record, trust Yeah, him. I mean, Le- Leeds never had a point where they were, you know, at the bottom end of the championship struggling um, or, you know, the, the threat of that wasn't ever really there. Um, and, and I think, and this is something that I've spoken about before on air, is the difference is that Marcelo Bielsa, you know, is known worldwide and respected worldwide. And that buys him a bit more time um, with supporters, with players, with, with all aspects of the game. Whereas you look at Carlos and you do wonder, don't you, you know, 23's coach, how much will people give him that time, both on the terraces and those people, um, how much will they give him that time? The players, you know, how much will they buy into what he wants to do? They seemingly all have done at the minute. So that's not a, 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 a criticism there. But, I think that you're right in many ways that when fans get back in, it's going to be more fascinating than it is right now, Cosy, because I think you're right. I think many people who have been going down there to, to John Smith or even to Leeds Road beforehand are used to seeing something nowhere near what this is actually going to be like. And do they have the patience to be able to see it out if the results aren't going you know, for the club? And like I say, with, with Leeds, they, everyone bought into it because... They got to the playoffs first year and just lost out. And then the second year, they were flying all the way through. So they bought into it. If you were flying at the minute, if you're in the top six, you'd all go back and you'd all absolutely be flying, I reckon. And everyone would, everyone would be right behind it. But you're right. I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens if and when, hopefully when, sometime soon, you guys are all back in there. Yeah, I want to talk about that now because I put a poll out. And obviously, as we speak now, we're fine. We've got some games on with uh, 2,000 fans in. Uh but Matt, you just wanted to finish off off of there on that little yeah, discussion yeah, for the talk fans. Yeah, the only the only thing that I wanted to say was really that the, my point all along, and I know I waffled quite a lot, was it's about trying to balance your ideals and results at the same time. Because I think yeah. if you if you go hundred percent ideals, your results don't follow. People are going to start to question, and I don't really want that for him. I want us to play great football and us to win games, obviously, like everyone does. And I just think that maybe a couple of times he might like the Stoke game. The Stoke game was like to quantify what I was saying. Um, from from minute one, Jonathan Hope was pressed by the number ten, you know, Nick Powell, um, and he, he absolutely smothered us. And we tried to play out from the back, 
Hog got pressed every time without fail. And we never changed it during the 90 minutes. And we, we conceded a lot of ground and a lot of possession. And it's just little tweaks that need to appear. But I think that will happen the more that he knows the players and the more that he can get them on the training ground and the less that we're playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. I just wanted to discuss that as a broader term. But Cosy, you can... I'll stop waffling about Carlos now. And, uh, I'm still, yeah, I'm still on the Carlos train, don't worry. I sent a tweet out today, copied our old friend, Mr. Clemenson, who uh, liked it because... His Carlisle team, the first people to open their turnstiles, thank God, since March. And uh, let's hope that's gone well. I'm sure there'll be kind of updates in the press. But I put a little poll out on our uh, Twitter feed saying, how was you feeling about having a chance to get back in? Just in the, you know, if we do miraculously get to tier two anytime soon or even one, God, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? And it was really interesting. It's really split. Uh, 43% said, get me back in. 41% has not bothered until we can get all back in and away fans, etc. And uh, 16% said, unless there's a vaccine, they're not kind of risking it. But I suppose, John, is coming straight to you, really. Uh, it's uh, you, month after month now of this kind of scenario. It must uh, You must be just thinking, God, how bad is it? Not being yeah, it's, it, it's, and I don't want to sound really like sycophantic here and, and make it sound like I'm saying this just for the sake of saying it, because I'm not. It, it is absolute garbage without the fans in the ground. It really genuinely is. At first, it was a bit of a novelty when we didn't know how long it was going to go on for. And obviously, we'd had the season all shut down. So we were just relieved to be back broadcasting from games and being able to have some football back on to watch and to provide for everybody as well. So we were just pleased to be back in. And it was a novelty that was back end of last season. Now, it's... It feels like a bit of a drag sometimes because you thrive off that. And, and particularly for the commentators, you know, I know they're all struggling to get that atmosphere. That's why I was joking earlier about the, you know, the guy who, who talks over the PA standing behind us and clapping and shouting about everything. And, you know, Dave Throwfall Sykes won't be um, disappointed, I'm sure, to say that he sits over my left-hand shoulder at the John Smiths. And he's very vocal throughout the game as well. And, and that provides us with some kind of at least background atmos. It, you don't get any of the intensity. You don't get any of the atmosphere. You don't get any of the adrenaline. Usually a midweek game, I'd come home and it'd be two in the morning before I'm even, even at a home game, be thinking about going to sleep because of that that adrenaline, that that combined energy that is within the stadium. And now that's that's not the case. And and it does, I, I think it's having a huge impact on results. I think it's having a huge impact on players. I don't think they'll say this, but I think it is. And I think it's been shown in Johnny, the way they've such a topsy-turvy season. Go on. Johnny, I'll, I'll stop you there. I mean, I won't bother him about I watched an interview this afternoon with Spanish uh, football manager, uh, one of the top teams. And he says he knows some of his guys are like 30%, 40% less intense. He sees it on a match day. He yep. says he can't wait for fans to come back in and... That he says that is absolute fact. His team, because it's all about intensity and kind of heavy metal football, a bit like Klopp and what have you, but it's just not the same team without the fans. And I just wonder, how it, I mean, we talked about their style and stuff, but I, I just, some of the games I watch, I think I, average players kind of will just excel and stuff like that as well. I think your top players will always be top. I mean, like, God, I watched Thomas Muller last night and he was still a brilliant, man, even yeah. though there's no one in, because he's just a, a lister, isn't he? But some of the average players, I, I, you know, that that rely on that. Even hatred, mate, you know, the people are getting abused yeah, and stuff. That, that drives you on. So it's, but will 2000 do it? I know we've got to start somewhere, Johnny, but it's not. Yeah, and, they, and this is the thing for me. And, and I fully appreciate that people just want to be back in and fully respect that and and do not underestimate how privileged I've been to be able to go and watch some football over these last few months and how much it is absolutely killing people who have, you know, not not because they've paid for the season tickets, because it's not about the money for all of you, I know it's not, but the, the fact that it's your lifestyle and it's, it's 
more, let's be honest as well, a lot of it's just about seeing your mates, isn't it, on a Saturday afternoon and going for a few beers before and a few beers afterwards and letting off a bit of steam. And the football is not secondary, but the football is certainly just one part of what is an entire day for everybody. But I, from a footballing perspective, I'm kind of with those who said, you know what, until everyone's back in, I'm not really that fussed. Um, because for me, that having 2,000 people in the John Smiths or in Ellen Road or down in Cardiff or wherever it might be, it's really not going to have that big an impact. I've covered under-21s games. I've covered under-23s games. I've covered League Two games and Checker Trade games where 800 people turn up for it, you know, and it is it doesn't have an impact. So for me, the, the sooner we can get everybody back in, the better, but obviously that has to be safe. And, and you would probably think now we're looking at very, very back end of this season, probably the start of next season, aren't we, before it's going to be full houses again. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the kind of the one thing to cling on to is Australia. I know obviously their COVID system's better, yeah. but... I saw something today where full stadium like in mm. pretty much every sport, which is fantastic. And I can't wait. Also- I genuinely cannot wait oh, for knowing that we're going to a game and wherever it might be, whatever club it is covering, just knowing that it's going to be a full house again. That it will be. It, everyone's looking forward to that. It's going to be such a great day, isn't it? When they when they say, oh. "Yeah, we're back open again across the board," it's just going to be absolutely brilliant. It is positive. I mean, you're it's like going to take a while, Johnny. If you need someone to carry your microphone in, <laughs> you've got a spare part. You know, I'm sure one of us will be able to. Uh, yeah, you know, absolutely. Get summarized or if you've got any facts, you know, is be able to cut air again now, won't you? On a Saturday. He is. Yeah, he is. I think he'll still be cutting air right now. He'll be, he'll be working <laughs> he 15 hour cut, days. He needs to cut Matt's air. Uh, positive. How do you feel though, mate? Because obviously you're instrumental in that South Standard. I, I, my guess is that you're not to ask until we can all get back in. Am I right or am I wrong? Yeah, no, mate, you're spot on until it can be. You know, it doesn't have to be every, you know, full house and that, but, you know, more than sort of 2,000 because if if not, you just you just lose it to me. It becomes more of um, almost like going to theatre because there's, there's you're not, it's going to be a little bit weird. Everyone's spread out. Are people going to get up and stand and shout and ball and sing and clap? You know, it, will they just go sit and watch? So I think as an atmosphere with 2,000 in, it's probably just going to be the same as nobody in. Um, you need to get sort of at least fifty percent, if not more, in there to make it anything like what a normal a normal match day would be. Um, but you know the, the vaccines allegedly being rolled out as of next week. I think as we move into get past Christmas, move into spring, you'd hope that you know infections will, will come down as they do with sort of every viral you know sort of disease that we've got going on. Um, the 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 thing for the for football is. After summer cases, you know, probably drop. Vaccines kicked in. We've probably got up until you know August, a traditional starting point. Um, you've got a long. If if we write this season off, you've still got eight months. And in eight months, God, you'd, you'd hope that we could all get back in as of mm. you know, first weekend in August. Mm. Fingers crossed. Anyway, yeah, I mean, there's, there's there's different calls in there for different people that you could always depending on what it is, do people want to go, do people not? And people will start having to make their own choices. I think the way the world has been for the last few months, we've been very much dictated to what we can and can't do, but at some point they're going to have to open it back up and then it's up to people to make their own decisions and, you know, we'll see what happens with that. But, yeah. Matt, I just want to ask you something now, so kind of moving on to the next part. I don't watch much Premier League football, but I was absolutely shocked on what I saw you're looking, on... Yeah, you're looking at the wrong... Person, if you want me to, if you talk about Sunday. Premier League football, I don't watch Arsenal. <laughs> I watched a bit of Arsenal Wolves on Sunday, and Raul Jimenez. He's, I'm not a, a gory person anyway, so I'll look away on stuff like that as well. But it were absolutely horrendous what happened. Uh, if anyone's seen the incident with it, the head injury, but what the sound is the, the sound, what, isn't it? What was the most horrendous thing after David Louise? Who were in obviously, we're not there, so we 
it were clearly not right. It, there's no way on God's earth he should have come on that back on that pitch for me. And the fact that he was subbed off at half time to me proving it. But then the next day, I'm hearing like Troy Deeney on Talk Sport, which the station obviously we've kind of loved in the past, but he's saying stuff like, which I was really shocked. He says, Well, the footballers have had so much taken away from them. So they should be allowed to decide whether they carry on, which I could not believe. And kind of throw into the other mix and that as well, maybe kind of going off tangent, like with the, the kind of the dementia and the heading of the football. Well, I think what I'm trying to say is football just seems to be clueless in looking after head injuries. I mean, the Super League stuff I've seen this season, they're really, really good on it. Off they come, they've got to have the assessment and they don't come back. You lose players and stuff like that as well. Football just seems to be, you all right, mate? Yeah, he's a key player. <laughs> Sling back on. It's, it's been like that for years and it's got to stop. It's absolutely scandalous what happened on Sunday. Why? Why a football? With all the money, just see the the players as... I'm just hoping Sundays is a watershed moment where there's some rule come on because they can't have that. Matt. (laughs) I'm I'm with you, Cosy. I'm with you. Sunday was one of those days, wasn't it? I'm a big Formula One fan and I'd just watched Roman Grosjean, what I thought was die in front of me in a, a ball of flames and somehow miraculously made his way out of that. So it'd been a stressful afternoon enough as it was a as a Formula One fan and then flipped over to watch that and then 10, what, 10 minutes into the game, it's quite early on, wasn't it? That happens and and as you say, Matt, the noise was was horrendous. But I, yeah, I'm, from the fallout from it, Cosy, I'm absolutely with you. Uh, I think it fundamentally has to be taken away from the players. There has to be independence, you know, assessing this. It's as simple as that. You cannot, you cannot allow an incident like that to happen where one guy heads another guy and one of them fractures their skull and so there's that much force involved, and then one of them is allowed to carry on playing. The one without Johnny, the fracture. Johnny, Johnny, it's, it's, it's scandalous. It's, it's, it's a horrendous. Premier League football game. It's yeah, not Leeds and District Sunday morning. It would have yeah. I think they'd deal with it better. I think they'd deal with it better. Leeds and districts, I think they would. I think they'd deal with it better on a Sunday morning in some ways because there's less pressure around it to have that that player out there. Um, yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I think he should have been hauled off there and then. And I think you're right, Super League do it really well. And and in some ways, you know, Super League do a lot of things really well, don't they? You know, they do video refereeing quite well, you know, uh, yeah. and and football could take quite a few um, pages yeah. out of the book of Super League. And I think head, head injuries is one of them as well. Pozzo, what are you making of all this stuff at the moment? It just seems really, really sad. And obviously the, the findings are still looking into and, and start with Jeff Aslan, sadly, Nobby Stars, Bobby Charlton, Jack Charlton, when you, I mean, you've been at the National Football Museum and you've beaten some, we've all beaten some football museums. You look at them balls with the, and you laugh, don't you? But now it's really sad because Gareth Southgate did an interview I read today and he was saying he knows the risks of football. And if he gets the kind of dementia, I hate to even say it, but he's like, I kind of knew the risk I was getting into. But should we, I don't know, junior football, they'd, you know, Jeff. First, we're very vocal and so you shouldn't be adding balls at that age and stuff. How do you feel? You do a lot of junior uh, football stuff, man. Yeah, I think, like you say, the old the older players had to put up with the you know the big leather balls. I mean, they're heavy enough as they are, let alone on a on a wet pitch. So you know, it soaks up the water, covered in mud. You know, back in the day, it's easy to see why you know repetitive repetitive heading of a ball like that. As you've got to think as well back. Compare a modern day match to a you know an old match, even sort of you know sixties and seventies. There's a lot more long balls. You know the tactic then basically what oof it up to a big guy up front and let him edit. So you know you could be looking at a striker editing ball. You know 20, 30 times there were because knew we were going to talk about it. There were a study done in two thousand sixteen and on average there's 
111 headers per game. It averages about six, six a game uh, per player. Looking, you know, if you play 300 games in your career, they worked out you're heading it, you know, 2,000 times. Now, in today's match balls, you know, some of them, they're no more heavy than those old 99p flyaway balls we used to call them that used to buy on Scarborough Seafront that you spent more time running after than you did playing with. So, you know, sort of modern-day players, I don't think the heading of the football uh, at an elite level is is such an issue. Talking about kids, uh, one of the arguments that you hear from, you know, your grassroots is, I, I do under-12s, and even at under-12s level, very, very rarely will anybody head it. A, because it doesn't get that eye. You know, you probably get a corner. If there's six corners in a match, the delivery is not good enough for someone to run on and edit to start with. Players aren't used to it, so you know, there's a lot of them, even at 12 year olds, still sort of shy away from it. Um, I, when I've done coaching in the past, so heading it is a it's a big part of the game, you know, set, set pieces, center half, center forward. Still, people need to learn how to edit. So, I've done sessions where uh, I've used balloons, so you can, you know, you can get the technique, you can do the defensive, you can do an attacking header, you're not really hurting yourself. I've used smaller, softer balls. So, the talk about taking away from grassroots players and then people moan that the no one will be editing it and no one will be good at that. There's ways and means around it quite easily. Mm. You know, like I say, buy a bag of balloons and do the old keepy up like you used to do in your front room and you can you can perfect a technique just by doing that. You don't need to be heading an actual football. Um, so I think banning it all together for grassroots, it's not going to make that much difference to how games are played out, to be fair. You know, you can't what happens if it does go up in air, you can't you've got to be able to edit to get to an elite level. So you know, it's six, one, half a dozen other sometimes. But coming back to your original point, doctors, there's a club doctor on every bench too, yeah. maybe even three sometimes. If that man who's a qualified doctor walks onto a pitch and says to a footballer, I'm sorry, mate, you're coming off. The player comes off. Yeah. You know, yeah, it depends on what pressure they're under as well. The game would have been called off. They're under the pressure. The I, read Mar- off. I read Mourinho you know. put in a book or something. He'd be like, say, doctor, he, I think he surely said they sacked a doctor. There's a man who sacked a doctor for... Letting a player, bringing a player off, which is incredible, but like you said, Johnny, should be. I'm sure it was, but it it should be in their hands. The female one, didn't he? It should be in their hands. There needs to to be a, in the same way the officials are independently placed there by the FA, uh, there needs to be a a doctor or whatever they want to call the person, you know, an assessor, that if there is a head injury, that person is the one who makes the call, you know, and and they'll get criticised. Of course, they will. Referees get criticised. Linesmen get criticised. Yeah. All those guys sat down in Stockwell and get criticised, you know. But there has to be an independent person. The club doctors do brilliant jobs, and this isn't me belittling at all. But but sometimes you don't know what behind scene pressures they're under, and also you don't know, you know, if they're if they're also a supporter of that football club or they've worked at that football club or it's beneficial for that football club to have that player still out on the field, and it's beneficial therefore them to be out there on that, you know, to be making the decision to keep the player on the field. You don't know. There's all those little things that come into it. So for me, there has to be someone independent there, placed there specifically for when there's a head injury, you go and see him, and you don't come back on until he says you're right to come back on. Yeah, I think yeah, I'd, agree that. With, I'd, I'd agree really with that, Cos. Yeah, I'd agree with that fully. I, I was going to say when you mentioned it, you know, there's a club doctor there or an assessor and you need an independent, maybe an independent to make that call. There's obviously going to be people going, oh, he's a Man United fan, oh, he's a Liverpool fan, yeah. et cetera. You'll always get that, but it, I think it's as good as what you're going to get. And I think the the other point I would have made is that we need to maybe stop glorifying, you know, the Terry Butcher with the headband yeah. full of blood. I know, it's, I know it's a sign of masculinity, isn't it? And, you know, like fierce competitiveness, 
I think maybe at that time, great it was, you know, and he, he led us to, I think, qualifying for the World Cup, didn't he, or something through that. But I think maybe now, I think people who come off with injuries, like take the boxer, for example. Uh, I don't know if you guys watch boxing, but there was um, Joe Joyce versus Daniel Dubois on, on, on BT at the weekend. And uh, he went down, he took a knee because he'd uh, it damaged his eye and he was getting shooting pains through his eye. And all the way through, everyone's going, oh, he's a quitter, he's quit, you know, he's, he's, he's right sat abuse, down, he's I never going to win a world it. title. Yeah, he took some pelters. When re- and Kelbrook, you know, everyone knows who yeah. Kelbrook is. Yeah, yeah. He had two orbital bone breaks, didn't he? And everyone's both going, sides, oh, didn't he? He did it both it. sides, you know, yeah. can yeah. handle so-and-so and so-and-so. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's got to stop you know that kind of i know if, i know our mate freddie cockerfee was here he'd be, he'd be lecturing us on toxic masculinity and he'd be right you know it, and that kind of thing's probably got to stop to allow things to move forward and it's difficult because football is um you know very sort of masculine and very sort of a game whereby it's a, a game of one-upsmanship you've got to be tougher you've got to be stronger and then to come off because you've got a headache you know people will you know, it, it, it's difficult, isn't it? But I think really we've got there by it's okay to be injured. And um, mm. at the minute, it feels like if you're injured, it, it's really odd because you you watch Jack Grealish and Patrick Bamford and all these Premier League players, you know, you know you, you'll, the wind will go past them and there's a triple pirouette and, you know, yeah, they're on the floor rolling around. Thing, and you that's all right. Was, but yeah. you, you injure your head seriously and you've got to come up, you know, and, and you're, a, you're a wimp for going off. It's it's weird. It's such yeah. a weird dynamic. It is. Cause I think you, that essentially has got to stop. And so is the diving. Yeah, when you watch rugby league, I think, because, like, you, it's so noticeable, like, when you watch a game Friday, Saturday, but the trainers, I know it's a different game, but they run on straight away. It's not a referee to, like, yeah. come on, lad, he's all right. Because the trouble is, referees got to assess whether someone's cheating. And then, you know, yeah, come on. And rugby league, you pretty much know if someone's down there, they're, they're hurt, so mm. it's... I mean, God, we saw last week the grand final player broke a joy, played a game, and so suppose sometimes they play. But I suppose well. you can also Sam in rugby league. Well, in rugby mm-hmm. league, can, you can be behind the player, can't you? Though in football, that's not something. That yeah, you can, they can run on the games. Yeah, can't they? You know, you see them in the yellow t-shirt, don't you, and everything they run yeah. on. Yeah, but yeah, I'm just wary of the time, Cosy, just for uh, for wrapping up on this one. Some good will definitely come out. I think that'll be a watershed moment. That I'd really think something will change because of that Sunday night. So yeah, just hope he's all right. Sounds like he's. Uh, He's feeling a bit better, him and us. So hopefully, a couple yeah. of weeks back on the field or yeah, whatever. Best, and that, best so. wishes to, I don't, don't think yeah. there are any Wolves fans listening or even him, but you know, best wishes to, to him from everyone. So, two home games coming up, isn't it, guys? But sadly, no turn start clicking for us. But it, you know about QPR and Wednesday, you look at them and you think they could be six points, but the championship is a, is a strange beast, isn't it? So, I wouldn't want to say. I think that'll be uh, covered on the old preview pods, Matt. Have we got any coming up? This week, yeah, uh, we're recording tomorrow, so we'll we'll do the QPR one and uh, keep your eyes out for that. Good stuff. Yeah, Anybody yeah. listening, then there you go. Listen yeah. to that for your preview. Oh. <laughs> Johnny, John Smith's on Saturday for you. Or uh, this, where am I this weekend? I'm in the studio because Chelsea won't let me in. They're only giving us two passes. Uh, so Chelsea against Leeds on Saturday for me, but then I'm at the John Smiths on Tuesday. Uh, for the Wednesday game. So I'll be down there oh. taking on all my old South Yorkshire cohorts and uh, no doubt Dom Housen, who many of you may well know as the Sheffield Wednesday writer, is a town secret Huddersfield Town fan. So he'll find that one interesting yeah. as well. So if you need someone to talk about that one, guys, that would be my suggestion. I've got his number. Let me know. I'll pop it over. <laughs> and hopefully John will bring us luck because last time he did a Sheffield Wednesday Huddersfield game in the playoffs, Colin Quanner... <laughs> Johnny was maybe <laughs> Sheffield and yeah. in, you were interviewing Carlos who had a face like a... Yeah. 
Yeah, and we were to Wembley, yeah. I was there. Yeah, you were yeah, on your way, yeah. boys, yeah. I know. And it, yeah, we, and we don't want to tell what's happened since. But we had a good time, didn't we? But yeah, like we have tonight. So I will uh, wrap it up there, guys. And say Sing us out, to, uh, Cosy. It's Christmas is coming up and we need a few carols. Oh, God. And not, not just acting. There's not one caroling. There we go. Nice little pun there. Yeah, God. Pause that. That's as good as it'll get. But yeah, cheers. And. There's a team that is dear to its followers The colours are bright, blue and white They're a team of renown They're the pride of the town And the game of football is their delight And all while upon the field of play Thousands loudly cheer them on the way Often you can hear them say Who can beat the town today? And then the bells will ring so merrily Every goal shall be a memory So town play up And bring that cup Back to Huddersfield So town play up And bring the cup Back to Huddersfield